Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations, a podcast by practical e-commerce. Hello, I'm Armando Roggio, and this is an e-commerce conversation from Practically Commerce. You know, David Maester, a former uh, Harvard Business School professor, said that customer satisfaction was the product of the customer's perception minus that same customer's expectation. So if you want satisfied customers, your business needs to provide a level of perceived service that's greater than your customer's expectations. Now, for e-commerce, shipping is customer satisfaction's front line. And online sellers should aim to meet shoppers' expectations for fra- fast and free shipping. Excuse me. Today, we're going to speak to Nathan Jones, the president and CEO of ShipStation, a web-based software solution designed to help e-commerce retailers process, fulfill, and ship their orders. Uh, Nathan, thank you. I appreciate you joining me for this e-commerce conversation. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So as I just mentioned in the opening, we're going to talk about um, customer expectations for shipping. So I just want to start with this. Let's imagine that you go online personally and you make a purchase. How soon do you expect an order to arrive? Well, it's a great question. It's really at the heart of uh, every e-commerce transaction. Um, the, at the very minimum, you expect it to be delivered when the website says it's going to be delivered. So that's the most important first um, impression to give is if you say it's going to be two weeks, then it needs to be within two weeks. If you say it's going to be two days, it needs to be two days. But I think that uh, something has, uh, has taken over in the last decade, uh, largely pushed, I think, by um, initiatives by Amazon and a few other companies as well, to drive that expectation universally down to uh, something that feels like near instantaneous delivery. So whereas traditionally we were happy to wait a few days or even a few weeks in some cases for products, um, now, if you don't get it to somebody within two days, um, they immediately feel like the expectation hasn't been met, that's been set by, by what is perceived to be the industry as a whole, though really it's largely just a handful of retailers that have set that, that uh, model or that lead for everyone else to follow. Do you think that this is something that's generally good for e-commerce? I mean, one of the things that uh, I guess e-commerce does compete against is the ability to go in and buy something in a store and carry that product home. So is it a good thing that some of these leading retailers are sort of pushing the envelope on delivery? I think for the category of e-commerce in general, it's definitely healthy. It, uh, it, it does make it more difficult to run a business. It makes it harder uh, to meet the standards imposed, but it also offsets the argument against uh, traditional retail, so the e-tail advantage over traditional brick-and-mortar retail. Um, you know, the, the, you walk into a store because you can get something today, um, people have sort of adjusted those expectations over time to say, well, what if I could just get it tomorrow or the day after tomorrow? Is, is, is that fast enough? Is that really practically the same as today? And does that offset the time it takes to get to, you know, hop in a car and, and, and go to the store and then, you know, time invested in that whole process? So I think overall it's very good for e-tail to set that standard, for e-commerce to set that standard, um, because people have that, that, that set of expectations means that when they go to shop for something, their first impulse isn't to see it as a different experience any more than walking into retail in terms of delivery. 
Um, there is a practical point that it doesn't have to be in your hands within an hour um, to feel almost the same as having it in your hands within an hour. Um, two days seems to be heading in that direction strongly. Over time, we may see that compress a little bit more even than the two-day standards, but it definitely offsets one of the key disadvantages to shopping on, online, the perceptions of, of shopping online, which is that it's slower. Um, I think that's obviously to the benefit of the companies that execute it really well, but as a halo effect, because the expectation is there across the industry now, um, even for companies that don't, in general, ship at that, at that pace, um, they still benefit from the general feeling of people that you can get things almost as fast shopping online uh, as you can um, shopping locally. So just to make sure that I understood that, so even though my own e-commerce business may not be able to deliver as rapidly as, say, Amazon, I'm still going to have customers who are going to be willing to buy from me versus going into a brick-and-mortar store because they have this expectation that online shipping is is quick. That's right, and, I, and I'll, I'll illustrate that point by reversing the scenario. Uh, so um, for a number of years, the fear of fraud, um, even though most customers weren't victims of fraud online, um, the fear of fraud prevented customers from adopting online purchasing in, in mass. And so it's, a, it's an example where the exact opposite scenario occurs in terms of something negative paints everyone, well, positive paints everyone, too. So to the extent that you know, retailers, uh, especially high-profile retailers, are able to to uh, create more smooth experiences um, for a large number of customers, the general impression of the market gets better to the extent that people did a bad job 15 years ago with security and, and, and credit cards got stolen. Um, that did a, a disservice, and it hurt e-commerce uh, sellers, even ones who were never responsible for fraud in the first place or had great protections in place to prevent consumer, um, consumer fraud. So, you know, it, it really works both directions. Um, and in this case, you know, the, the smaller retailers – happen to benefit from a halo effect or a positive, you know, uh, effect left in the wake of the big, the big sellers, um, you know, blazing new trails on fast delivery. So a minute ago when I asked you about, um, you know, what your expectations were as a consumer shopping online, you mentioned that the expectations were often set by the retailer. Let's, let's take the case of like a mid-market online retail business. Um, what are some of the things that I can do or, or that company can do during the shopping process, during the checkout process, to set a good, proper expectation for how quickly uh, something will be delivered? Well, obviously, communicating clearly with the customer up front, just, just plain English, plain writing, usually delivers in or will deliver in, and the num setting the number of days that it takes to deliver it is important. Um, if, you've, if you've done that, the next most important thing is just execute on it every time correctly. And that, that means, you know, orders have to get out of the online, um, uh, you know, the online store that was sold at it into a warehouse within a very short time period. A customer, when a customer sees that something ships within two days, um, sometimes a company will write that, and misleadingly what they mean is we will ship it in two days. Now, plus it's going to have its transit time on top of there. So it's, it may be two to air, we'll ship it within two days, but you'll have it in four days. Making sure those kind of confusions are eliminated at the point of sale is really important. If you say usually ships in two days, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily clearly say the same as um, usually delivers in two days. So um, you just have to be really clear at checkout and make sure you're making it, you know, no opportunity for the customer to misunderstand when they're going to get it. Um, I think that's just incredibly important uh, in today's e-commerce to be competitive 
to make sure customers know that because it is an expectation they're coming in with. Uh, if you're able to meet that service expectation of, of uh, you know, a short turn or a quick delivery, uh, you, you really owe it to yourself to make sure the customer knows that. And if you're not going to be able to give them the delivery experience that, that they may be used to, they may be used to buying things on, say, uh, an Amazon Prime uh, seller and, and get things in two days every time without even thinking about it, if you are not going to deliver that, you better make sure they're clear that that's not the case either. Because even if you get the sale either way, the key part is, you know, expectation not met is is uh, the, the single biggest cause of lack of consumer confidence with a with a given brand. So, uh, let's say that I am going to try to meet that. I am going to try to deliver in in very quickly, two or three days. What are some of the things that um, an online retail business can do? Uh, you know, other than just choosing a faster service level from a carrier, what are some of the things I can do to um, equip my business, I guess, to be able to deliver very, very quickly in, in just a few days? Well, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, and that's really the core of what our business is. It, you, you have to arm yourself with technology and tools that make the, the time from when an order is placed to when it leaves your warehouse as short as possible. And, a lot of companies get burned because they, they may possess, uh, you know, anyone can put a package in the hands of a carrier and say, please deliver it two days or three days or five days or whatever the time window that, that they've agreed with the customer to deliver it in. But a lot of companies get burned because their internal processing is slow. And so it's not actually time on a truck that, that you know, causes the delay. It's time required to get the order from their system into their warehouse and then into a box and then onto a truck. That is entirely within the control of the user today. Years ago, you had to build really sophisticated systems um, in order to, to go and process things very quickly. But, you know, with products like ours, we've really eliminated a good portion of the amount of time required to manage the operations of a business on the fulfillment side. So you place an order, it shows up in, you know, through a system like, say, ShipStation, um, you know, within minutes, you, you can have that item on the warehouse floor being packed in. Customers have to realize that the delivery methods or the delivery timeframes are so driven by how fast you get it out of your warehouse, and that's where so much of the control is, that you know, adopting technology that helps with that is incredibly important. The, Amazon's you know, one example of many. I've used them multiple times in this conversation, but Amazon's a good example of a company that does that really well. When you place an order with Amazon, you only have a handful of minutes to cancel that order before it's too late to cancel it. Um, because they're so efficient at getting it out, you know, into their warehouse floor to be picked. And um, that, you know, at one point required a huge investment in technology and infrastructure. We've eliminated that. We make that incredibly inexpensive to do. All, a, all a, uh, an e-commerce seller has to do now is just be aware enough of the, of the uh, fulfillment experience and the fulfillment from the consumer. I like that. What you're saying really is take the thing that you have the most control over and really master that so that you're getting a lot of your, your delivery time savings right there in the thing that you have your hands on. That's, that's correct. It's, um, it's easy to look at what other companies do and think that it's voodoo, that you know, they have, must have some special relationship with the carriers, and there's a, you know, there's a helicopter waiting in their warehouse to carry their stuff to the airport in, in an instant. It's really, it's really not it. The thing they do is they just, they just make the decision of, of you know, how to ship it, and, and get it in a box um, as simple and quick as possible. That's the part you can control. 
And if you control that, you're on even footing with anyone in the industry. Nobody, nobody can deliver it faster um, than you can if you, if you just put it in the box right away. I agree with that 100%. Another thing that comes to mind here, though, is that also if I have more than one warehouse that I can ship out of, maybe a warehouse located in one part of the country or another, I can also gain some time, um, not just in how quickly I can process it through my warehouse, but then in, in how close the package already is, if that makes sense, to the customer. What do you think about a strategy like that as well? Well, we're talking about distributed um, inventory, right? So we're keeping inventory in multiple locations around the country. You, now, you're taking, now you're taking control of the carrier side of the relationship. So the, the, the biggest initial hurdle is control your warehouse, um, control getting the order out of your hands as quickly as possible. Now you get the chance to cut the delivery times even shorter by you know, bringing, shipping it from closer to the customer's, um, the, the customer's uh, uh, delivery location. Obviously a great idea. Not everyone has the scale to take advantage of that. It's not cheap to warehouse in multiple places. But once you do, you know, having a system that lets you route that efficiently across there does you, does you two services. One, it lets you surprise and exceed the customer's expectation because the customer may have expected it in a handful of days, but because you shipped it from closer, they get a little bit faster. There's one opportunity to do that. The other thing you get to do with that is even just meeting the customer's expectation as you were going to anyway, you get to use a less expensive method. And that's really important for, for retailers as they grow to think about how do they cut costs out of the operations side of the equation. Being able to efficiently say, I can ship from UPS ground because this is coming from a warehouse that's one day away, even by ground, or that's two days away and I've made a two-day commitment. I don't have to, to use a two-day air solution, which costs you know, obviously a substantial, substantially larger amount of money. So at that point, you have the choice whether you want to surprise your customer by showing up early with the package or show up on time but at a much lower cost of fulfillment. And those are interesting, very interesting choices to make. And customers, every different seller is going to have a different vision of what for their customer is the better outcome, you know, a less expensive product ultimately or um, a uh, faster delivery than they expected. But, you know, distributed warehousing is, is a really powerful tool, and it's becoming more accessible um, with the proliferation of 3PLs where I no longer have to run my own warehouse in multiple locations. I can use somebody else's warehouse in another location, so I can store smaller amounts of money with a mu- or, uh, of inventory with a, mu- with a much lower commitment, um, uh, you know, financial commitment, because... Uh, I, I don't have to pay the cost of scaling up an entire warehouse. I can just take a little, rent a little piece of a warehouse from someone else, and they can supply all the labor and, and all the management required for it. So it's, a, it's definitely a, a, a huge um, trend we're seeing a lot of in the industry. Um, as we go on, we see a substantial number of our customers getting involved, in, at least in a little bit of, uh, of third-party warehousing, you know, whether their primary shipments come through there or they just use it for, you know, farther regional shipments or specific categories of products, you know, varies by, by seller. So I'm going to try just to, to continue to, to bring this back to our initial point, which was meeting customer expectations. So we started by talking about just communicating well to the customer upfront about how long a package is going to take. And then your suggestion next was to just focus on that thing you can control the most, how quickly you can get the order out of your warehouse and on its way to the customer. And then using distributed warehousing as kind of a, a means to talk about it, we basically said the next step would be this sort of logistics planning and processing where you're, you're trying to win back some of the time that comes from the carriers by either shipping from someplace you know, closer to the customer or uh, you know, 
using those kinds of tactics. Other things that jump to mind right now for me are zone skipping, things like that. But basically, that's that logistics planning phase. I want to kind of come back a little bit, um, if I can, and ask you about the cost. We already mentioned that having distributed warehouses might lower the cost of, of fast shipping to you. Um, what are a couple of other tips? If, if a retailer feels like they need to offer free shipping, what are a couple of other tips that you might have for keeping the cost of shipping down? Great question. It's a big concern at all times. So, um, you know, of course, there are operational ways we reduce, you know, costs um, with customers, and those, you know, deal with just being more efficient at helping the process and make decisions about where packages route. But there are some fundamental go-to things that customers should really be, you know, thoughtful of and critical of. First is customers should all look at potentially a multi-carrier um, solution. So all customers should be thinking about more than just one carrier when they when they are considering the fulfillment options. A lot of times a small seller will start up and they'll be lured in by saying, oh, we just want to work with UPS or we just want to work with FedEx. Um, and they pick up one carrier and they, and they stop at that. And that's great for a lot of shipments, but carriers have different strengths and weaknesses. We found that with, say, customers adding on USPS or many customers start with USPS, that USPS, for example, may have great coverage for delivery routes that they want at a really great price for certain packages in a certain weight class. But as you get to a different weight class, you might want to choose another carrier or consider another carrier as an option. Um, there are some, there is some value in trying to consolidate shipments for rates with, with certain carriers, um, but usually you're offset. That's almost always offset by losing out on benefits uh, in, in some weight classes and some routes and zones of shipping. So depending on what you're shipping and where you're shipping it, you're going to get a different value from different people um, for, for carrying those packages and or a different price from different people carrying those packages, but still meeting all the same delivery time frame. And, uh, you know, a, a young merchant or an, a, an early merchant or early startup can do is be mindful of all the options. For a number of years, USPS uh, wasn't considered front of mind for for e-commerce shipping, and we find a lot of people when they first start don't consider them as a, as a, as a carrier that's relevant in e-commerce shipping. But, you know, we have some great statistics that tell us that they're really worth talking to, right? They're worth having at the table when you interface with them. But the same is true for UPS and FedEx, and there are a lot of other carriers as well, um, you know, that might be, you know, uh, serve a different type of market. You know, DHL, if they're functioning in your area, has some value. Um, there's lots of re regional carriers like uh, Lone Star that might serve a couple of states, right, or on track. Um, looking at all the options for carriers is a great way to find savings that you might not have realized were there. And sometimes even shorten delivery cycles for, for some runs or some legs of the operation. All that's made more complicated, of course, if you're having to do it by hand or if you're manually trying to manage everything. But when you adopt, you know, um, quality technology, it can really greatly help facilitate a, a much more efficient decision-making process. There's a huge amount of savings to be had in, in that um, for a, a savvy seller. There's other things that customers should always be thinking of as well, which is, you know, obviously we talked about 3PLs, but there's also uh, other ways of dealing with inventory, like, for example, um, drop-shipping inventory. Not, not every customer needs to take possession of a deep inventory if they're not manufacturing, but if they're resellers, they don't have to take possession of all the inventory um, you know, themselves, they can, they can drop ship their long tail items instead of trying to stock them. Um, they can uh, use some, you know, forecasting tools. 
to be more thoughtful about ordering inventory on a just-in-time basis so they're not sitting on uh, inventory unnecessarily because you, 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 the last thing you want to do is, is uh, tie up cash flow in inventory that's not flying off the shelf today. So everything you can do to shorten that cycle um, and to get, a, get your hands wrapped around what you can do to, to, uh, to keep inventory at the minimum levels required to meet your, your, your fulfillment commitments, um, that's a really important thing to do to optimize your business. With everything we've been talking about, we've been sort of working around uh, the expectations for fast and free delivery on the front end. What about for returns? Returns is an interesting conversation. Um, everyone has questions about returns because returns have, they have a couple of different scenarios where returns are, are, are concerned. One is the cost of getting returns back. There's just the merchandise itself. That's a customer-level policy. If you're going to, whether you accept returns or not or, or under what circumstances you accept returns, we, we see a, tr a general trend towards um, merchandise being returnable in most cases. We just, we, we see that most, we have, we have tens of thousands of, of, of users inside of ShipStation that accept returns um, uh, very generously. Um, once you're doing that, you're back to another problem of, you know, managing operations. You know, how quickly can a customer, um, how efficiently can a customer get a return label in their hands or get permission to return something? Um, how do you track the product once it comes inside? There, again, that's a, a thing that technology choice can, can make a real difference on. We, we've put a lot of work into making returns as easy as possible inside a ship station. Um, returns is an interesting uh, logistics scenario um, from a carrier perspective because unlike um, uh, shipping out to the customer where there's a definite time expectation, oftentimes returns can come back by uh, a completely alternate carrier that was used to deliver it because the timeliness of getting something back is usually not as important as the timeliness of delivering it. So if someone gets a shirt and it's the wrong size, they ordered it, you promised it in two days, receiving it back in stock doesn't have to you know, come, come by two-day air. You can receive it back in stock by you know, a ground service. It's much slower um, because there's very little gain to you or your customer in having it back in a hurry. Um, but there's a lot of benefit to, to the, the merchant in, in saving money on the shipping. So being thoughtful about that, also managing the interactions with the customer in that process, it's a, it's a time-intensive process to talk to a customer about a return. Uh, you know, we, we've built a system that allows a customer to self-service on a return if a merchant you know, will let them do that. So if a merchant chooses that option, then you know, the customer can, or the merchant can then allow the customer to uh, you know, log into their own order, select the items they want to return, um, apply that against a rules engine that decides whether they're allowed to return it, and then you know, get an, a label and return information subsequent to that, you know, based on their eligibility for the return. That's great because it takes for a customer with a standard return, which is ah, no longer needed or it's the wrong size or something that falls into a pretty, pretty straightforward um, return policy, it saves the merchant the time of, of having to interact with the, the customer on that front. And that's, that's really important because Small to medium-sized merchants, everyone benefits from this, but it's particularly important for small to medium-sized merchants because they're often not staffed with full-time service teams or service teams that are, are capable of scaling up on demand for several returns simultaneously or a large number of returns simultaneously. So you, you have a real issue there of trying to find staff to be available to meet the customer's expectation, which is, I want to return this and I would like to get this off my plate right now. And if you're not available to talk to me or your staff is is queued up, you know, five deep on, or ten deep on, uh, on customer service calls or return calls or whatever. Um, you've now failed to meet the customer's expectation, and 
you know, we think that the technology choices can, can dramatically alter that, and customers find that to be a very reassuring part of a brand. The ability to return something means that I can have a much higher confidence on my uh, willingness to buy something. So um, particularly users that are selling goods that are not commoditized, um, things that I don't, you know, if I'm buying a, uh, a standard uh, monitor from someone, it's the same monitor that I've always used. I'm just buying a replacement. I have no fear. But if I'm buying a shoe, or hopefully two shoes, if I'm buying shirts, if I'm buying uh, something that's bespoke or sized for me, the ability to return that is, um, is really important in case I make a mistake. So trust goes way up when you make returns easy. Last question for our conversation. So best guess, where are customer expectations for shipping going to be in the next three years or five years? That's a great question. It's, it's, it's still highly speculative. I'll, I'll, I'll engage in the speculation, but, um, you know, with the disclaimer that, um, you know, it's, it's hard to predict the future, but what, what we can do is look at the past and sort of use that as a guide. Um, what we find is that no matter what you give to um, any other human, we adjust our expectations to, to find that to be the norm, and then someone else has a chance to step up and do better. So every time we put out um, an experience, all the market does is rush to improve on it. So today we're looking at, you know, uh, kind of a general industry standard expectation that two-day delivery should be free um, for most type of products, um, particularly if they can be bought from multiple sellers, right? So if I'm the only one selling a thing, I might be able to capture non-two-day shipping, non-free two-day shipping um, or, or, or handle shipping a different way. But if I'm selling something that can be bought someplace else, often the winner is going to be the place that's, you know, shipping it for for free by two-day air. Over time, all that's going to happen is what has always happened is that time is going to shorten. You're just going to see it go down. So, um, you know, more regional stocking, um, more regional fulfillment, meaning, you know, distributed inventory levels so that the things can get there faster. Um, <clears throat> I think it's only going to shorten that. And for the people who can participate in delivery networks that can get delivery down to same day, um, I think in three years you're going to see a considerably larger percentage of goods shipped, you know, by that method. Um, that that's going to require collaboration between, um, uh, you know, between merchants uh, across industries, where you know one company that might be able to distribute warehouses all across the country, all the other people that want to compete with them are going to have to form alternate ways of accomplishing that same thing. So I think you're going to see a tighter. Um, uh, cooperation between uh, the, the non-giant big box um, resellers. You're going to see a cross-industry collaboration over time. It's going to enable that to, uh, that delivery functionality to materialize, whereas right now it's, it's difficult for people to envision you know, how that would be possible. Um, but I think it's coming, and I think it's going to, it's going to deal with a lot, of, a, a lot of collaboration across merchants that aren't um, all one giant monolithic company. Nathan, I really appreciate you taking time today to join me for this conversation. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Uh-huh.